Profiler Faithful. It's Matty Kiwoom. Welcome to the latest episode of The Game Plan. Today's episode is for everyone, all your contending teams, all your rebuilds, because we're going to start off the show talking about the 2024 rookie class. A bit of an overview, I'm not going to really dive too far into the weeds, a little overview of my strategy in terms of rookie picks, how to handle them here in the, in the coming months, um, a little overview of the class in general, of what I've seen so far, and then I'll go position by position, highlight one player and maybe a sleeper pick or something of that nature. So we're going to do the overview. If you've already done your research, if you've already started to talk rookies in 2024, go check out the future cast. Me and Theo Greminger, we have had now four episodes this season. The latest episode was with Cody Carpentier, returning host of the future cast, came aboard to do a 2024 rookie mock. So if you want to get really into the weeds, check that out. But we had John Lobb, Matt Hicks, Anandurri, you know, from right here, probably a profiler, talking about rookies over the last few months. So if you're already in, if you're if you're in the rookie space, your head's there already, go check out the future cast. But if you're looking for, just get those toes wet. Just dip them toes in, start getting to know the 2024 class. Today's episode's for you, and then stick around because, of course, I'll be diving right on into that bargain bin, finding some sleepers if you are in desperate need of help to get a win in Week 13. So, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, all the game planners out there, get out your pens and your pads, and let's start game planning to get those Week 13 dubs. No guest today, me, Medicum, running solo dolo. There is a guest on the schedule for next weekend. But today, you just got me, the OG, uh, here at Play, uh, play OG at Play Front. No, I'm not Matt Kelly, I'm not the podcast, I'm Matt Kiwum, and I am the OG of the game planner here. So let's dive right in. We're talking 2024 rookies. Before I go on this crazy tangent, my mind goes, who knows where. We got Cousins giving today, so Marty in my pajamas, wearing the DJ Moore jersey for some flavor. So, my, you know, it's going to be a good day. But anyway, let's talk about 2024 rookies. First, I want to talk about my strategy uh, with, in regards to rookie picks, how I've attacked uh, owning them, getting them, uh, stashing them or hoarding them, however you want to call it, uh, for some of my contenders and some of my rebuilds, some of the teams I'm looking for the future. Um, your trade deadline may have passed. Um, this is probably more of a uh, off-season approach or as we call it a player profile the dynasty in season approach to acquiring picks and hoarding picks stuff of that nature in season's a little different um you're looking to win now your team's winning now so i'm, I'm not really gonna talk about that this is for the coming months more in general and for my contending teams what i have done is i have gone out and tried to grab as many seconds and thirds as i possibly can in my rookie drafts um because they are obviously coming a little bit cheaper value than the firsts. If you're a contender, you know, taking your first, getting a player that helps you win in 2023, plus their second next year, their third next year seems, you know, that's, that's kind of been my approach there. And when I get into the class overview, you'll know exactly why, but I think contending teams, should try to get attack, you know, get get a third back in return, get a second back in return. Even if you're trying to buy into a superstar, you know, overpay a little bit. But hey, you know what? Since I'm so gracious here this holiday season, since I've graced you with a, an improvement in my offer, I am sending you more assets, better assets. Why don't you go ahead and toss your boy or, or a second or or a third? So I'm trying to gather up those seconds and thirds if I'm a contender. And then if you are looking to rebuild, certain. You know, there are people like to retool. Some people like to rebuild on the fly, however you want to call it. Some people like to go scorched earth, tear it all down, trade everything for future assets. If you're in that mode, 
you got to do what you got to do to get two, three, four firsts. Um, you want to just have a, a bevy of round one picks at your disposal heading into 2024. Um, the value of them right now may be at a, a bit of a premium. And talking about, you know, if you're if your trade deadline hasn't passed, then obviously rebuilders are valuing firsts like like insane. Um, so this might be the wait a little bit, and then you might the, the market for first might you know become a little bit more calm, not as inflated uh, in a few months after in the dynasty in season. So I'd wait, but I'm still going after them. I, you need them. You need to dive on. Take seconds for sure. For sure, you want you want picks, but it's paramount. This going into 2024, it is paramount. Write this down. This is paramount. It is so important for our rebuilding rosters to have multiple 2024 firsts. Now, if you were in a dynasty startup this year, uh, like I was, I was in a handful of them. What I did was I just kept trading back throughout so I could acquire two, three 2024 firsts because you're going to want these nukes, these bullets, these this ammunition to your roster because the 2024 class is loaded. So this gets me to my next point, the 2024 class overview as it sits now. I am assuming Caleb Williams declares for the draft. Marvin Harrison Jr. declares for the draft. They're both playing a little bit of that um, Brett Favre, we'll call it, approach. Will he, won't he enter the draft? Does he want to go back to school? Uh, both players, you could make an argument why would they would want to go back to school. Caleb Williams has always you know, perpetually underdelivered. Uh, in terms of his team's performance, his late season uh, bowl appearances, all that stuff. So he might want to prove a little something at USC. And Marvin Harrison Jr., let's face it, you know, his dad was an NFL player. He knows more about um, the life and what comes with it and how he's approached it. And he may look at it like, I need to beat Michigan before I go to the NFL. The NFL will be there. He's going to make upwards of $10 million if he goes back to Ohio State, given the IL deal, NIL deals and that structure. Same with Caleb. He'll make double digit in the millions. Um, and, you know, they're sitting there seeing the horrible Patriots. And maybe they both saying to themselves, hey, let's go back to college. Let's, uh, let's do it one more time at the NCAA level. Uh, but I'm assuming for this discussion that they all decided to go in because that's kind of obviously makes or breaks a draft. Um, that's why maybe to trade for the firsts, you know, in the dynasty in season, when you know that these guys have declared that that might pile into why you want to wait a few months to go after your first. But anywho, let's talk about the class. It has um, a number of QBs that could be taken in the first and second round. Uh, um, they also, there's a few additional quarterbacks that we could see in the, you know, day three guys selected that it would be an injury away from playing. I mean, we, we had to rely, we used Tim Boyle, DTR, uh, all these quarterbacks we've used in fantasy this year, uh, Josh Dobbs is like a top 12 option every week. You know, we've seen crazy things happen at quarterback. And I think that there are a number of guys um, at the quarterback position that could find themselves fantasy relevant through, you know, create some chaos, but still later in this draft. So it's a very QB heavy friend, a QB friendly uh, draft. In my opinion, like I said, I think in our super flex leagues, we could see a number of them go at the top half of the draft uh, of our rookie drafts for sure, but also the NFL draft. Uh, I, I I could see up to six quarterbacks being taken in the first round. I know that would be a bit of, that's kind of the high end. Uh, that's kind of like bold take on it. But I mean, you already know the top two, Caleb Williams uh, and Drake May, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. We saw both of them play last night. Uh Jaden Daniels has absolutely emerged on the scene. Then you have J.J. McCarthy, quarterback from Michigan. If he has a hot 
playoff wins a championship. Maybe he rides off into the NFL sunset and easily could be a first round draft selection. So there's a lot of quarterbacks that we're going to want in fantasy and our specialty or super flex leagues. Um, that's why it's important to have firsts. The other real big reason why you need firsts if you are rebuild is the wide receiver class. Now the wide receiver class is being hyped and it certainly it could fall a little bit. It could underwhelm a bit. That's just the nature of the beast. But when you look at the studs in this year's class, these are the types of drafts that can reset your franchise like that. I mean, if you had hit on Garrett Williams, uh, Olave, and you'd be like, oh man, I already have two top 12 dynasty cornerstone receivers. Uh, you know, in years past, they're obviously, you know, getting Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. You were able to put together these franchise changing pillars at the wide receiver position. This class, my friends, has that. Uh, upside it has that that possibility um because obviously marvin harrison jr is a generational prospect um he's a guy that um went to osu uh not as you you may be surprised i think he was the 13th ranked uh high school receiver in his class uh going in osu 13 to 14 i want to say but it was, it was after 10 if i'm not mistaken but he you know, his work ethic he's He's his dad's Marvin Harrison Sr. So the, the the knowledge, the intuition, the practices, the insight, all of that has obviously helped develop him into a fantastic route runner, a beast. And they, you know, in an interview, um, it was last week before the game against Michigan, uh, emphasis on the game, right? That's what it's called. He mentioned, like, what's the difference between you and your dad? He's like, I'm bigger. And the kid's right, the kid's huge. Um, so the wide receiver class highlighted by him, but Malik neighbors, Roma Dunsey. We saw him last night go berserk mode. Uh, Troy Franklin, unfortunately he got hurt last night, hurt his shoulder, didn't have a big game, but we've seen him put up over 1300 receiving yards this year. Xavier Leggett is a name to get to know because he could find himself in the early half of the second or the back half of the first round, um, in terms of the, the NFL draft. So he's going to have some helium. He is going to rise through the ranks. Um, and then we also saw, uh, teammate of, Roma Dunze play extremely well last night. Uh, Jalen McKillen, I believe his name is. Let me go look that up. I want to make sure I get it right because I'm talking about the prospects here. This is the Pac-12 championship, the last ever Pac-12 championship, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, Jalen McMillan. I was right. Sometimes I doubt myself, but uh, he went off for over 100 last night. He's a junior. He'd been early to clear. He had some injuries. I don't see him going in, but again, just the talent upon talent. Keon Coleman will see him in the ACC championship game today. Uh, it, it's It's immense. There's so many good players that'll be first round draft selections, um, or even you know early second. They're gonna have crazy value, crazy helium, and crazy talent. And over years past, um, last year in particular, it was like all these guys, man. I mean, five eight, five ten, five ten, five nine. It's like, wow, who are these? Is that the new class of receiver? It's like, yeah, look at Tank Dell. He's doing pretty damn good. Jordan Addison looks like a monster. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's able to get done at this level. Nope, not this class. This class is looking like the monsters in comparison to the wide receiver position. They are all six feet or bigger, six one, uh, six two, six three. I mean, six. I mean, there are big receivers, big, talented, very, very talented receivers. That's why it's very important here in the few months when we get to the dynasty in season where the trading has opened back up. These rebuilds, you got to get yourself first. If you can come up with two, three, if you can four, I mean, you're talking about a quarterback, two receivers, a tight end, perhaps, and you're talking about pillars in your for your team over the next five years. 
very, very important. Now, tight end, I alluded to tight end for two reasons, two reasons right now. And uh, those two reasons are Brock Purdy and Jatavian Sanders. I'll talk a little bit more about Sanders in a minute, but Brock Purdy, I mean, not Brock Purdy, Brock Bowers. Did I say Brock Purdy? Whatever. Brock Bowers. This kid is the tight end prospect. We talked about in the future cast, Theo Gremager. Oh, shout out. Theo is in the chat. Yes, sir. Happy SEC title game to you as well, Mr. Gremager. But a big fan of Brock Bowers. You'll see him in that SEC championship game, but he's a stud. Um, he is an absolute stud, mega producer at college, mega producer, like 100 percentile production at tight end. Um, isn't as big as a Kyle Pitts, but I think what is working in his favor, but he's a yak monster. Let me say that Kyle Pitts, his red flag in the NFL was he was not a yak monster uh, where Brock Bowers is. He leads the nation, even missing games in yak yards after catch. He's over 400. The only tight end in, 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 in college to have that number uh, over 400. He's a stud. And his red flag going into the year was his size. Only 6'3". Uh, right now he's listed at 240. Uh, but you know, in way, you know, in season, he'll probably beef up. He'll probably weigh in at the combine at six three, six four, two forty, two fifty. Uh, but either way, a little bit smaller than your prototypical stud tight end. But here's the thing: what did we see in twenty twenty three? People, Laporta was that size, nasty. Kincaid that size, coming on strong here at the end of the twenty twenty three campaign. So I think teams are not only the, the, if they were a little hesitant on the size, they're looking at the twenty twenty three landscape and being like, oh. Oh yeah, yeah. This is probably the new age at the tight end position uh, because we don't need him to block all the time. But Bowers is good all around. He's probably going to be a top ten pick in the NFL. He's going to be hyped. He is going to be in his his value will shoot through the sky because just like Kyle Pitts did. When you look at this, well, it's a game changer at tight end. You you need a, a game changer at a position that's so scarce. Brock Bowers is going to elevate that his value because of that. So we're excited about Bowers, but I'm going to talk about Jatavian Sanders because I'm starting to get very excited about the tight end from Texas. And then that leads me to last position in terms of the overview to the running backs. Running backs were used to uh, being just the focal point of drafts. We saw how excited we were for Bijan and Gibbs this year, two first-rounders. I don't see any first-rounders when I look at the prospects. It's not that I don't see good prospects, but what I see in terms of the NFL uh, class. I see a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of re receivers. I see some tight ends. There are a few edge rushers, and there are two or three, maybe even four tackles that will be first round grades. So there's just so much talent in that first round that running backs, I just don't see any of them uh, landing there. But we've seen Braylon Allen, my running back one going into the class as of right now, declare he's only 19. He's put up massive yard uh, production at Wisconsin. Uh, but again, we'll talk about a couple players here in a minute. But uh, the running back class is it, it's good, but it doesn't have superstars. And this is exactly why, if you were here at the top of the show, if you weren't, when I was talking about my strategy going into the dynasty in season for rookie picks, uh, if I'm a contender, I want those seconds and I want those thirds. And this is exactly why. The running backs in our rookie drafts, if things go as we see them today, obviously they won't, things will change. Um, but as the rookie class begins to uh, or as our rookie drafts get closer, I think a lot of running backs, for, like first running back off the board, won't be till the end of the first or second. Uh, we did the 2024 rookie mock with Cody Carpentier and, and Theo Greminger in the last episode of the Future Cast, and I only, I, if I remember correctly, I think one snuck into like pick 11 in the first round, and then there was a, a couple that went in the round two. But if I'm a contender, you always want to keep that running back room fresh. You want to keep replenishing at running back, and you can do so in the second and third round. 
in this upcoming rookie class. So if I'm a contender, that's why I want those seconds and I want those thirds. So uh, we went through, that's basically the overview of the, the fantasy rookie class. But now I want to just, just talk uh, real quickly about uh, a, one of, you know, a quarterback that I'm keeping my eyes on and a potential sleeper. And I'll go through all the positions and, and kind of just give a, a, an overview of a couple of players. The first kid I want to talk about, someone we saw last night, uh, Bo Nix. Bo Nix is over six. He's 6'2", uh, about 220. Um, the, 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 what I see when I look at Bo Nix, the player comparison that comes to mind is Alex Smith. It's Alex Smith that went first overall out of Utah, you know, the Urban Meyer product uh, a handful of years ago. And you might say to yourself, why, why, why would I want a quarterback in my league that was Alex Smith? Because Alex Smith had a long career. Alex Smith, you know, Superflex wasn't that popular back when I was playing when Alex Smith was being, you know, he was the streamer of the year, finished as a top uh, five quarterback in fantasy, I believe, a handful of years ago in the Chiefs. But why I think this comparison works for me is he's not he's not huge, but he's big enough to play in the NFL 6'2", 220. He's just got sneaky rushing ability. I mean, last night even, uh, he put together a good rushing performance, and you didn't really even notice it. It was just a couple of, uh, a couple of what do you call it, the, when you keep it, you don't hand off on a read option, a couple of keepers there. But he's just accurate. He's the most accurate quarterback, I think, in the class. But that might be a little bit due to the system at Oregon and why Oregon – uh, under this uh, regime is going to be probably the transfer portal, you know, apex spot for quarterbacks, uh, even over Lincoln Riley, who just keeps throwing him into the NFL as round overall picks. I think Oregon, because what we saw at the Knicks was a very productive freshman over at Auburn. And he was at his dream school. He was a, a freshman starter, true freshman starter. He was productive in the SEC and then kind of, fell off a little bit much like if you guys remember last year's class um tank tank uh tank bigsby tank bigsby i've seen it for guys because there's a there's a new tank in town baby tank Dell. but tank bigsby nasty freshman kind of fell off and we we're like where is this going to fall he ended up being you know a, a third round pick to uh the jaguars and it's someone that we kind of like over the long term but anyway bo nix had a similar career in college went to oregon uh has now played there for two years um but he's Coming out seasoned, we'll call these guys. We're not going to call them old because they're still kids, but we're going to call them seasoned. Uh, this is his fifth year in the NCAA, but it is his best. 40 touchdowns, three interceptions, over 4,000 passing yards. And like I said, he had some sneaky rushing ability. And it looked smooth, kind of like Alex Smith. Remember Alex Smith had some sneaky rushing ability uh, when he played. So that's why I have a comparison there. My sleeper at the quarterback position, uh, it's Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler, you know, if you if you've watch the netflix docuseries quarterback he was highlighted there uh when he was in high school went to oklahoma and was famously uh wally pipped uh, by caleb williams but we're talking about a former you know big time blue chipper prospect coming into college he's not over he's not big but it's similar size to bonex 61217 so pretty similar size but he's got a good arm and the reason why i think he can be a, a sneaky sleeper in fantasy forces. We've seen him improve since he went to uh, South Carolina. And the thing that he improved in most was his decision-making, how he was coached, his, you know, leadership. Those are the things that were questioned even back in the docuseries on Netflix. Um, so the fact that he was able to learn in a key, you know, field of his, of his, you know, going to call prospect profile has me, he, it puts him on my radar because I know he's got a good arm. Uh, he does have a really, really above average jump. He's going to look great at the combine throwing in those drills. His pro day is going to look really nice because he's got a good, good arm and he throws a good ball. 
But I like the fact that he could go, let's call it the like the third, the day three, not third round, day three, probably fourth, fifth round. Do kind of, you know, it'll perform uh, at OTAs, look good in the preseason, sneak, become that sneaky backup in a spot like Seattle, let's call it. And then he finds his way on the field. Um, that's why I think he's a sleeper in this class. That's why I think um, this class is special because this, there, like I talked about earlier in the episode, there are guys like Spencer Rattler that you know uh, that I think is um, that could be beneficial for for our fantasy league, our fantasy teams. Um, so that that's quarterback. I'm going to go to running back now. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of running backs. Uh, I have a super deep sleeper at running back, um, so we'll we'll get to him in a second. But I want to talk about Braylon uh, Allen because he's he's declared. For the NFL draft, he's young. He's 19. He's a monster of a human being. Uh, he's, he has a, a big, big frame, six two, over 215 pounds. He's a big kid, and he's a tough runner from the University of Wisconsin. Uh, but I like the fact that he already declared for the draft, which means you know these kids can get you know they can get advised by a council uh, to see where their draft potential will be. Uh, clearly, he got some good news because. It, they haven't even finished their bowl game. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the draft. Uh, 982 rushing yards this year. Um, and what I've liked from Braylon Allen is we've seen him get more proficient in uh, the passing game, which over his three years at Wisconsin, um, and he played as a freshman. I mean, he took over 200 snaps all of his years at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, but his passing game, he went from, I got to get this, my computers. There it is. Only eight receptions as a freshman that went to 13 and then 28 this year. We saw the yardage go up. Um, and I said 215. It was really just a speaking error. He's right around 250, not 215. 6'2, 250. Beast. Uh, his 40 time seems like it'll not blaze at the combine, but if it looks better than if he could perform better than you know people are expecting given his size his speed score will be through the roof here player profiler um and i could see him absolutely being the number one uh, running back selected uh in this class in probably round two uh a hot spot uh and shout out cody carpier in the he's in the chat here uh he just dropped his mock draft 2.0 over at roster watch and also the uh patreon.com forward slash executives he had uh Braylon had i think he went going to had him going to the cowboys in the second round um, I believe it was that pick. I, I apologize if it wasn't, but I know it was a running back. And the fact that the Cowboys, which does make sense for them to attack the the running back position um, in the draft, again, that could be a great spot. But we're not going to talk about. We're not going to start speculating on draft spots just yet. This is an overview. This is uh, a chance for us to talk about the players. Uh, you know, as an overview, we're not going to dive in deep. You want to you want to get deeper? Keep rocking with us. Keep keep checking out. Um, you know, the game plan, uh, the future cast, and then, of course, patreon.com forward slash executives. But my super deep sleeper this year is a running back that comes from the University of New Hampshire. Go Wildcats. Up in my neck of the woods, northeast here. Dylan Laub, L-A-U-B-E. 5'10", over 200 pounds, 208. Um, but why he is a sleeper for me, first of all, he's going to the Senior Bowl. Shout out to Jim Nagy and his crew putting together a great 2024 Senior Bowl. It's going to be fantastic. Um, elite talent, Spencer Rattler, I just mentioned, will be down there. Dylan Lobb will be down there. Uh, so it, it's going to be a great, great, great time down in Mobile. I mean, shout out to Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl. Uh, but what I love about Dylan Lobb is the fact he's he's got over 600 rushing yards this year, or over 700 rushing yards, I should say. And he has over 600 receiving yards 
this year. He's a weapon. They use him out wide a whole bunch. He runs a ton of routes. He could. He's very versatile. I mean, we're talking up to three wide receiver uh, snaps a game throughout the season at certain points throughout the season. Um, and that skill set will keep him on an alpha roster. And maybe it's a third down back opportunity. I don't think this kid shoots up the board and becomes like everyone's sleeper. I mean, he will. He, the nuttiest of us will give him the Christian McCaffrey comp. Look up to his highlights. You'll know exactly why. Um, but he does know how to play a little wide receiver. He's got the size, 5'10", 208. Right now he's listed. If he can get that 210, 215 at 5'10", it's not bad. It's not too small. And we're seeing smaller and smaller running backs have success. But again, I don't see him going even day probably fifth, sixth round. Um, but with this type of versatility, and we're not talking about Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn, I love Deuce Vaughn. He was my sleeper going into this time last year, but the size is unmistakable. It's the size. I mean, when you see him run, it's like, oh my God. I've never seen someone that it looks like that Kyler Murray Shrek video that everyone posts. Uh, so anyway, that, I love Deuce Vaughn still. I still hope he finds uh, some more success in the NFL. I'm sure he will. But Dylan Lobb's got bigger size. He's bigger. Bigger kid, great receiver uh, for, for the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. Just keep him in there. And again, he'll be a mobile. He'll be a mobile. He's going to the Senior Bowl. So we will get a good look at this kid. We'll get a chance to, uh, to, to you know see some reps, see how he competes against, obviously, talent that he was not competing against at the University of New Hampshire. Uh, and the, let's go over the receiver real quick. Malik Neighbors, I just want to talk about him briefly. Uh, in my opinion, he's the cemented himself as a wide receiver, too. I know some people like Keon Coleman for good reasons. Um, he's bigger. He, Keon Coleman's big. He, he's going to be good. He's first-rounder, no doubt. But Malik Neighbors, he looks to me like Stefan Diggs, polished, Routler cannot be stopped, and he is a mainstay, or I should say a main reason why Jane Daniels is having such a big season. We're talking about a receiver that has 1,500 receiving yards. He only went under a buck three times in two of those games. It was 87 and 89 receiving yards. He was sniffing it, and the only time he was under 70 receiving yards was week one against FSU. Good team, but he's in the SEC. He's dominating. Malik Neighbors, uh, you know, blue chip prospect at a blue chip wide receiver school, emerging. He's got size six foot two hundred. Like I said, Stefan Diggs type of player. Uh, in my opinion, when I see him play, he that's the type of comparison I see. I see a Stefan Diggs type of player, and it's impossible to not get excited about a kid like that. Um, the other, this is a sleeper I will bring up, and it's a super deep sleeper at receiver. I don't even know if he's going to declare, but it's Luke McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's little brother. Um, former quarterback found his way onto university. Found his way over to the University of Rice, six two one ninety five. Bit of a string bean, but I mean, he's gonna be working out with Christian McCaffrey. He can become 200, 205 at six two. We like that frame. And the thing about McCaffrey, and yes, I am chasing the legacy, the bloodline, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about a dad that was in the NFL, a running back who was gonna go down as one of the best running backs of the era. So yeah, maybe I'm betting a little bit on the bloodline, a little bit on the legacy, but. Whatever. I'm also betting on the talent. I, uh, we talked about the frame. First year as a receiver. First year as receiver at Rice. 88 targets, 58 receptions, 723 yards, and six touchdowns. Head of PFF grade, uh, over 75. Pretty good for a first-year receiver. And then this year, uh, he, he's upped his targets. He's upped his receptions. He's got over almost 1,000 yards, 963 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. That's amongst some of the tops in the nation. He is in the same class of touchdown receptions as the Roma Dunsies, Malik Neighbors, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas. I mean, we're talking about the studs. And he's, yeah, not playing the same competition as some of these kids, 
but some of these kids don't have the NFL bloodline that Luke McCaffrey has. So um, I'm hoping he, if he comes out that he participates in some of the, um, you know, the all-star weeks uh, where we can get, he can get seen, get his profile up because again, I hope he comes out. I think he'll be a fun player to talk about. And I'm only going to talk about one tight end. Brock Bowers, I talked about him earlier, but I want to also talk about Jatavian Sanders um, from Texas because I, the more and more I dive into it, the more and more I kind of have been looking at um, the class and how the draft may go. I think Jatavian Sanders could be a first-round NFL draft pick, um, especially with the Dolphins selecting um, – towards the end of the first round because they love speed and Jatavian Sanders has speed. This is a blue chip prospect. We're talking about a bona fide five star. I believe he was the number one tight end in his high school class. Number one or two um, on 24 seven sports. And he's going to, if he comes out this year, he's going to be in my opinion, the no doubt number two uh, tight end of the class behind Brock Bowers, a generational guy, but he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. Um, he's in a, pro ready offense doing pro professional type production where he lacks is touchdowns. He only has one touchdown, um, but over 500 receiving yards. And we're going to get to see him in the big 12 championship game today. The last ever as Texas and Oklahoma head over to the SEC in 2024. So to get a look at Jatavian Sanders, because I think this is a tight end that um, probably won't be a first round pick in our rookie drafts, given the wide receiver and quarterback talent, but I think would be a steal in round two, looking like you know in that Laporta Michael Mayer range. Kincaid was kind of crept up in the round one of our rookie drafts, but I think that Jatavian Sanders provides a whole lot of value. Um, so yeah, we're definitely gonna keep that going. And I I completely forgot to run the ad. Uh, my fault, guys. I forgot to run the ad. I was just in the zone when it comes to the rookie talk. But that's gonna wrap up the rookie talk. First, let's hear from Sleeper Fantasy, and then we're gonna get into the bargain bin. This episode is brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Rival Fantasy, the coolest fantasy platform not enough people know about, but they will once I'm done, baby, because they're always innovating. They just rolled out seasonal leagues. We set them up for patrons, for our listeners, and they funded over $1,000 in payouts. That's what Rival's all about. They're always innovating. They already had the fantasy book where you can take overs and unders, stack them up, multiply your payout, but then they added challenges so you can set your own lines and put them out there for the community and then you can browse the community's lines and say hey this guy's crazy i'm gonna take the other side it's cool and they have fantasy bingo rival fantasy is reminding me how much fun i can have with fantasy football and use that promo code player the promo code is player they give you a 100 instant deposit match plus 25 dollars plus a free play that promo code is player for up to 125 dollars in deposit bonus and a free play you can't beat it. Matty Gume here. Episode, I don't know where we're at this season, but the latest episode of The Game Plan. We just talked about some 2024 rookies, but now let's dive into the bargain bin. Get you those players, those sleepers that you need to add in week 13 to get those dubs. At quarterback, let's talk about Bryce Young. The Panthers are at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I haven't ranked at quarterback 20. He's only rostered in about 11% of ESPN leagues in 25% of sleeper leagues. The matchup, let's take a look at it. They're actually getting five and a half points on the road, uh, the Panthers. So there could be a little bit of cleanup mode, some garbage time perhaps. We like that. But we don't like the 36 and a half over under, second lowest on the slate, which uh, probably means that Vegas doesn't project a slugfest. But again, 
uh, you can be down 17 to three going into the late third and just have garbage time, garbage time and hit the under and still get the production from Bryce Young, or they could just smash the over-under. It's just here for reference, and any golden rule. Because at the end of the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a good matchup for opposing quarterbacks. They've given up 3,152 passing yards. That's the third most in the NFL. They've actually given up five rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks. That's that's tied for the most uh, in the league. Bryce Young hasn't run a lot. But he is capable of running. So I do think that if at the end of the day, if the opportunities uh, do arise from the scamper on down the field, Bryce Young, run a 4 6 3 40, 89 percentile, can get it done uh, with his legs. So uh, yeah, I, I think he could run. And especially new quarterback vibe, we want to call it quarterback room. There's uh, no Frank Reich there anymore, but we'll talk about that in a second. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though, this is why we want Bryce Young. It's not necessarily the stats because, if I'm being honest, there's not a whole lot, whether it be in the surface stat department, the recent stat department, or the underlying performance metric department. There's really not a whole lot to be excited about when it comes to Bryce Young. But the matchup. The matchup is a thing we can exploit here in the bargain bin. Uh, The Buccaneers have surrendered two and a half points more than league average. That's a fourth highest in that metric. And they've given up the fourth most fantasy points per game quarterbacks like i mentioned frank reich is no longer there maybe brings a spark to the offense um yeah maybe brings a spark to the offense here that's what i'm hoping for a spark uh at running back we're getting real deep here we're going michael carter against the pittsburgh steelers i'm at running back 47 so this is a deep deep play Rostered only one percent of espn league seven percent of sleeper league so he's out there if you are up the if you are of the most desperate of us for week 13 the fa- uh, the cardinals they're getting six and a half points on the road to Pittsburgh. They're road dogs, but it feels like they're a lock to cover to me. I think this team's better than a near touchdown dog on the road to Pittsburgh. And the 41 over under is kind of middle of the slate, so Vegas isn't projecting a complete dud. Michael Carter, Michael Carter is starting to look a little bit better here. Uh, and then when you look at Pittsburgh's matchup, it's middle of the road, 15th against fantasy points, so running back, so it's not overly exciting, but it's not a tough one. And in his debut, he's played one game with the Cardinals. Remember, they claimed him on waivers. He had eight touches, four of them being receptions. We love that for PPR. Three point four, uh, a three, 34 total yards, so we're talking about uh, 7.4 fantasy points. He did have a red zone carry, um, and then he only did the, he did all that on only a 38% snap share. Maybe that goes up a little bit. Uh, they give him similar touches, finds the end zone. Again, we're talking about bargain bin players. We're not talking about the elite of the elite. Michael Carter. He might be in a few of my lineups in my most desperate. So I'm going to go with Michael Carter here in the bargain bin at running back at wide receiver. I'm going to stick to what I've already talked about. Panthers at Tampa Bay. I'm going to go Jonathan Mingo at the bargain bin. I got him at wide receiver 38. Uh, some do have him higher. I've seen him you know, knocking on the top 30 door on some rankings. And I think it's for good reason. He's still only rostered about 11% of ESPN, 17% of sleepers. So he's he's out there. Uh, Tampa Bay, the matchup versus the Panthers. I just talked about it. Five and a half point spread, 36 and a half over under. So I talked about that's not great. But again, you could you could produce in a, in a crappier game, especially in PPR. Because uh, again, the matchup is nice. The matchup is nice. And this is the first time the two are playing each other this year. So this is the Bryce Young's first look 
at a defense that has been shredded by multiple rookies already this season. Bryce Young could be one, and if he is one, Jonathan Mingo might be that guy, as we see again, a regime change, change at the top of the, the coaching staff, philosophies may change. They want to see what they have in a Mingo as they head into the, the last part of the season. Um, and the kid has played a ton so far. So it's just a matter of giving him more looks. He's at 90 plus uh, percent snap share since week six in that same span. He's had a 90 plus percent route participation rate in every single game. So he's on the field. <coughs> excuse me. He's had, <coughs> excuse me. He's had six or more targets in the last three. So they are trying to give the kids some looks. Last week, he was four receptions, 60 yards against Tennessee, which was a soft matchup. And like I said, this is a soft matchup, the Buccaneers. Um, second most receiving yards allowed to wide receivers. They give up the fourth most fantasy points per game to wide receivers, and they are dealing with some injuries. So we might see their second and third stringers have to move up. Their fourth stringers have to play more, uh, and that could be good for Jonathan Mingo. The only thing I have to say, Mr. Mingo, when you catch the ball at the hash mark, just put your feet down. Don't somehow let your momentum take you six yards into the end zone and have it be an incomplete pass. That was one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my entire life. So Jonathan Mingo, fix that and help out Bryce Young because I'm going with the bargain bin stack. Hit the alarm, baby. Boom, boom, boom. Bargain bin stack. Last guy I'm going to talk about is the tight end uh, for the Tennessee Titans, Chagosium Okonkwo. Um, he's only rostered about 24% of ESPN, 29% of Sleeper. The matchup is essentially a pick em. The Titans are actually getting a point at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the 45 or 42 and a half over-unders in the middle of the slate. Uh, so, again, some projectable points there. Uh, but, we, you know, tight end, we'll take what we can get. It's tight end. Uh, and what we got is a good matchup. The Colts have given up the ninth most receiving yards to opposing tight ends and the seventh most fantasy points to the position of Konkwu has started to come on a little bit more as of late. Uh, his most recent game uh, against the Panthers, uh, he had four receptions on five targets, 45 yards, four and a half, oh, eight and a half fantasy points, tight end 13 on the week. I got him at tight end 15, so I think there is room for a little bit of improvement. He did see a red zone target. He's now gotten two red zone targets in the last three games. No touchdowns. This week, he finds a little pay dirt, goes for the same, call it four for 50. That's a top eight week at tight end. Uh, so I like what I'm seeing from Mr. Chigozio McConkwu. The signs are there for him to be the bargain bin um, tight end of the week. So to wrap up the bargain bin, we have Bryce Young at Tampa Bay, Michael Carter at Pittsburgh, Jonathan Mingo at Tampa Bay, and Chigozium Okonkwu home against the Indianapolis Colts. Got to give a quick shout out to the dominator of the show here at Player Profiler. Um, Bradley Stalder and Billy Muzio are been doing the lineup lockdowns every Saturday night. So you're tuning into the game plan now. Check out the dominator late tonight as they help you, you know, just put the dot the I's and cross the T's going into week 13. Before we get out of here, there are some questions in the chat. Um, Jason has who is the fastest wide receiver? in the class and Cody has an answer for him. He said the fastest player in the wide receiver class just went 60 in the big 12 title game. He's talking about Xavier worthy. Um, he does look like he will probably be amongst the fastest in the class. He's got all the traits that we love of Hollywood Brown, but unfortunately Xavier worthy does have a few of the bad traits, the dropsies. Um, but again, tantalize a prospect, one that I didn't even mention before, but can also see a first round draft selection 
So, uh, yeah, that's the fastest wide receiver in the class, Jason. Uh, here we go. Franz, Franz in a 10 team start 11 super flex. Would you ship fields and his own 2021st currently in six to make the playoffs for Kyler Murray? No, I would not. I would not. Cause I don't think Murray gives you an overwhelming advantage over fields. I know fields has a bye week this week, uh, but you feel that you don't want to trade a potential top six pick from this draft. No, you don't want to do that. You can put in the, you could still look to win now and keep fields in your pick. So I'll go ahead uh, do that for sure. In my opinion, uh, last question here from Jesse Driscoll, uh, Roshan Johnson is a good stash for fantasy playoffs. Also, do you think that Kansas city and Eagles can get me by in the playoffs? Um, if you want to get some really deep playoff analysis, head over to patreon.com forward slash executives. I got the do or die score on there, the playoff battle score and the buy adjusted playoff battle score on the executive Patreon. That'll give you a really in-depth look um, at that. But Jesse, I'll still answer your question. I do not think Roshan is going to be a good stash going to the fantasy playoffs. They have a tough playoff schedule and they come out of the buy and uh, their first two matchups out of the buy, I believe are, uh, Cleveland and is it Philly? It's one, it's two of the tougher, uh, running back matchups in all of football. So I don't think he is a good stash, uh, in redraft for, for the playoffs and Eagles <clears throat> and chiefs. They have a, a, it's not, I wouldn't say a tough schedule. It's kind of middle of the road, but they're studs. You know, you play your studs and sometimes tough matchups on paper, end up being shootouts because the reason why they're tough matchups on paper is because they're really good teams and really good teams uh, can sometimes get into slugfest. I mean, the bills and the, the Eagles both have good defenses and we love what we saw in fantasy in a rainy game in week 12. So I'm definitely going to be leaning on Eagles and chiefs. They're going to be the guys that got me to the dance. I'm going to rely on them when I'm in the big dance. And that is going to be today's show. I'm Matty Kiwum. You can find me on X at Matty Kiwum. Make sure you're subscribed to the player profile, YouTube channel, like this video. And if you like the cut of my jib, you like my content, you can check me out here every Saturday uh, on the game plan. You can find me on Trade Gods every other Wednesday with my man, Jason Allwine. You can catch me on the Future Cast with Theo Garminger, and you can catch me two or three times a week with my homie, my boy, my ace, Cody Carpentier, over at the Executives of Fantasy Football YouTube channel. We got the hurdle Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then the Sunday football watch along. Again, can't keep plugging this stuff. We got a lot of good stuff going on at patreon.com forward slash executives. Check all that out head on over to playerprofiler.com get that all in package here we got the discounts use maddie to get an additional discount get all the great tools that we have here the dfs dominator dynasty deluxe player rankers you're gonna want these you gonna want these tools here for the last few weeks make some coin and then you're gonna want all the dynasty stuff for um the off season we got a whole lot coming out can't wait to to, to unveil all that to you here in the off season or as we call your player profile the dynasty in season so just make sure you're hitting up all that stuff here at playerprofile.com. Check out me everywhere you can. Uh, but, guys, we're getting to the nitty-gritty. We're getting to the fantasy playoffs. We're almost there. So keep game planning, my friends, and I will see you next week. Peace.